0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of RealCom Live. I tell you, we're going to have a lively conversation, no doubt. Uh, If the green room conversation was any indication, we just literally wanted to hit go and keep it going. Um, I have got two great people on the show today, Craig Stevenson, president of Oros, and Scott Cochran, president of Cochran Supply. Not just peers uh, in the industry, but I would consider these guys friends. They are uh, two of the smartest people on the smart building integrator side of the equation, on the supply side. The people who can get out there and get these smart buildings delivered at a high level of sophistication and at scale. So this week, what we're gonna talk about is the evolving role of the the master systems integrator, the systems integrator, somebody who maybe used to do just a control or two in a building, not integrated, not too complicated, but but the role has changed, continues to change significantly. And there's not two better guys to talk about it than Scott and Craig. So let's bring them on and get this lively debate discussion started. Hey, guys, how are you? Hi, Jim. Hi, Jim. How are you? Good. I, I As I said, we should have just kept the green room conversation going because whenever people are leaning in, that means that there's, there's some truth or untruth being spoken. So <laughs> um, good to have both of you. I want to get right through some of the fundamental uh, parts of this discussion so we can get to the meat, which is you know, the need for the master systems integrator. What is that? What does it mean to a building owner operator? But real real quick, can you guys just give uh, the audience a little summary of your background so they have some context? Scott, we'll start with you. Sure. Scott Cochran, president of Cochran Supply. We're a building controls distributor. Uh, We distribute nationally.
1: Um, We distribute both controls and software, and we sell primarily to contractors. And uh, and we sell to many different master systems integrators Um, We've um, we've been doing this for over 20 years now with these integrators, and we've seen a, just an incredible evolution that that I continue to to try and share with everybody. So,
0: and Scott, it's pretty safe to say of the most sophisticated smart building, smart portfolio, smart campus projects in the United States, your DNA is somehow usually associated with those projects, correct?
1: <laughs> well, maybe, hopefully, hopefully, right. Um, of course, we don't provide directly to the end user. We provide to many different contractors, and they're the great—you know—they're the great companies that actually perform this super hard work. Um, what we what we do provide those contractors is excellent IT support. And as the integrators have become more complex with their needs on the on the IT side, um, we we hopefully have answered those and continue to help them evolve in those ways and improve the services they're bringing to market that way. So,
0: okay, Craig, background.
2: Thanks, Jim. Craig Stevenson, I'm the president of OROS Group. OROS Group focuses on the intersection of building science and data science. So simulation is our superpower. That's what we do. We use simulation to decarbonize buildings, whether they're new or existing. Um, And we're able to then take that simulation and operationalize it so we can use it during the operations of the building. And we answer the question, did I get what I paid for? So we can come into project teams and help them become more efficient or existing buildings that are looking to reduce their carbon footprint. Um, And that's sort of what we do. This this idea of data science, and the reason why this event is so important to me is because we need to get to a point where the data science can have some context. And the context can't be historical data. It has to be um, new targeted data, simulation for what the buildings are supposed to do. That's how we're gonna advance the ball. It can't be incremental improvements. And looking at, you know, three and 5% betterments year over year, we have to fundamentally change the way our buildings operate. So um, we're excited about this because the MSIs play a critical role in what we do into in terms of decarbonizing buildings. They give us the tools to do that for 75 years.
0: So I'm gonna fast track 20 years of experience on on, on what is a systems integrator. You know, when I, I got into this, I came from the IT side and then I looked at the building you know systems industry. And basically what I saw was, you know, one team came in that did the HVAC, one came in did the lighting, one came in did access control, separate buildings, separate systems, you know, hook up my wires, my my box, and get the heck out of there. Now, with the, you know, overlaying IT onto that and the ability to integrate and, and make all these systems interoperable and communicating with each other, that takes a whole new level of expertise. Scott, where are we today in the master systems integrator marketplace based on that historical perspective?
1: wow yeah so it's the evolution is still going on jim it is still going on um in the early days to your to your comment a lot of what are now master systems integrators were temperature control contractors they were putting in a uh you know a single line or maybe two lines a lot of them became integrators when they realized that a building is never just going to have one product line in it when it comes to controls And the owner would much rather see everything on one screen than have multiple computers and and that's really the hvac arena is where this integration was born and it was just the simple need to connect all these mechanical systems to really to get them in harmony so that you could operate the building efficiently um as time went on it was like hey this lighting component you know this this could really impact the energy if we could get control of this and so you know these integrators bled into lighting and then they realized this life safety thing is really we (laughs) could add some really good enunciation to this fire alarm right more than what they're getting today bring real value so boom let's bring the life safety in and then hey if we got to control all this stuff we might as well control who's in the building what about this card access system I have can we can we make use of that in this equation and you know, and the integrators just kept saying, yeah, we can. Yeah, we can. You want to do it? Yeah, we can. And as they took on these more complicated roles, they realized, oh, boy, we need help, right? right. And, and what they've done is they've really developed very unique teams of, of a mixture of like, you know, of course, you have mechanical, electrical competence, engineers on staff, even MEPs. And then, and then they're working side by side with kids coming in with computer science degrees and and coding capabilities and IT-managed service capabilities, and they they work together to accomplish the owner's goals of really collaborating the systems that run that owner's building. So that,
0: okay, so I'm not going to ask you the same question, Craig. We're going to sure. continue. So based upon what Scott just said, you would think it would be fairly easy to understand why, if I was a traditional you know, single building, single system controls person, that I that I just saw a little bit of what Scott just described—the explosion of the opportunities, you know. And Scott, I would say the fountain at Bellagio is also something you put on the network you control because I've seen that actual system, right? So, Craig, here's the question to you: Why doesn't everybody looking, you know, realizing where the future is going to be, race to this idea of this next level of sophistication, master systems integrator? Why are so many of them still kind of stuck in that same role of? One system, I'm a controls person, I don't want to be or I don't know how to be a master systems integrator.
2: Jim, I would argue that um, they are racing. They see the opportunities that the master system integrator, the MSI um, marketplace provides. And the reason for the the, the inertia, if you will, uh, is because they have biases. You know, like Scott said, they either came out of the building automation control sector or they came out of the division 27 communication sector or they came out of another operational technology sector. And now they want to come in there and put their arms around everything and own everything. But from our perspective, doing with the work that we do, we have a purpose when we come on these projects. And our purpose is to get to the data, introduce an advanced data analytic layer that's purposeful for the project and the team we're on. To get at our goals of decarbonization and healthy buildings that's why we do what we do so when you think about it from that perspective and work your way backwards then how do i get that data out of the buildings and that really ultimately dictates um, how we interview how we set up our rfqs and RFPs for the msi marketplace so that we can bring in an, uh, an msi if you will that's more agnostic and understands how to get to a converged network to the extent we can on our projects whether it's ITOT convergence or just operational technology convergence, because we save a lot of money doing that. When we save that money, we can invest that money into other places in the building that matter, um, as opposed to going more traditional with these silos of operational technology vendors and then IT vendors that do this. And then who's that glue that brings everything together for our purposes? We look at the MSIs and they're the glue that get us to where we want to go
0: so back to you so esg is real it's going to have uh some impact scott and i were joking in the green room this is our third time third rodeo in 25 years of e of the esg some of us older guys are a little suspect you know why didn't it work the first and second time scott convinced me that it's going to work this time and i do believe that but but we have to stay on top of the people who say it but don't deliver so scott in addition to the e you know the energy side of esg can we help save these building owners money and, and and put more money in their pocket because we know they're very profit driven. Certainly, the commercial side, and on the corporate side, they just want to save money. Uh, you know, they don't want to have expenses laying around that they don't need. What's in it for the building owner?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, we we touched on the operational efficiency of putting everything together in a common platform and having access to it. Um, that there's some. I mean, there's some operational efficiencies for buildings. We don't even realize where we can take this yet because we're just now at the point where we're seeing these data sets coming together and then being utilized by building owners. What are they after? What are the building owners doing with this data? They're looking at, obviously, the E in energy and energy efficiency and, and, you know, driving towards that, but they're also looking at the, you know, we talked a little bit earlier, the occupant experience, the... um, you know how do we use the, these systems to not only make the building a a more you know healthy, uh, more energy efficient place, but a place where people want to go. Exactly. You know w- you know where where your parking app combines with a building app, and you're able to you know have a different experience going to building A versus building B in a city. Right. Anybody yep. who goes to a city who doesn't live there knows like you go into a city you're you're you get a building address oh my god you don't know what you're in for what if you had an app ahead of time and the app drove you in and parked you and told you which elevator bay to head towards so these are the little things that i think we're seeing like as a byproduct of that and i think the owners are going to get a lot from that but but you talk about tangible costs i'm going to go back a little bit on 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 the owner costs so for instance when the when the msi comes in one of the things that people don't realize in msi is is they are a consultant you know, when we did some recent interviews, we heard MSI's talk on some of their projects, 80% of their billable time was in consulting hours. And what they do is they come in and they act as the owner's owner's agent. And a lot of, when they're hired as a professional service, they can come in as the owner's agent and they can work with the mechanical suppliers, the electrical suppliers, all the different divs, and ensure that all of those systems will communicate out of the box prior to being installed. They work with the owner and their IT department to develop a network strategy where all that stuff can simply plug into a common network that's already pre-planned and managed. And, you know, there's a plan for it. Right. And now all of a sudden this massive integration project that everybody's confused over it happens. And it happens not only at, 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 at within budget, but we're talking we're talking millions of dollars in first cost savings. Right. right? And these are avoidance costs, Jim. These are things like computers you
0: well, don't- Well, let me, br- let me break it down even simpler, okay? And, and and we were talking earlier about how we've been saying this for 20 years, but we have to keep saying it because there's a whole new generation of people. There's a whole, a whole group of people who have not heard it. Crug, let me ask you this from a common sense. Just, you know, building automation 101. If I, in a tr- traditional environment with all clunky analog equipment on my roof, have to send a truck out three times because they- didn't have the right piece of equipment, they didn't know what the problem was, they didn't have the right piece of equipment the second time, and then they determined they needed a different level of skill. So three truck rolls. At a real simple level, I plug that piece of equipment into the network, I can see what's wrong with it from my command post, I can send out the right guy with the right part, and maybe do it in one truck roll. Does it, does, does that hold true? Is, is that really possible, three to one, and then all the cost savings that go along with it?
2: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely it is. And I think that what we're seeing basically is that we know we can build buildings right now, new buildings that can operate at like 14 site and energy use intensity levels. And that's a KVT per square foot per year. That's the highest performance building you can build based on building science. We know we can build them all day long. The biggest fear we have in our building science market, when we start to design and, and build these existing and new buildings, is how do we operate that for the next 75 years, right? Because there's constant stories you hear about these gaps in performance when we blink and we just don't keep focused on the buildings. And that's why we've always said that the data analytics that exist today, and they are amazing at what they can do, is only getting better. Right now, we have to start to plan, how do I get our data into a single data layer that I can do advanced analytics on disparate operational technologies and use that to perform the building? Right now, what we're seeing is we're seeing a connection between building science and data science that's giving us the ability to meet our climate change goals and operate these buildings at the highest levels of-
0: Okay, well, let, me, let me stop you for a second though. Are you telling me that that we are able to take a building engineer, of 20, 25 years of experience, who's very used to walking into that building, looking at the meter, checking things physically. Can we make them a data convert, give them an iPad and teach them how to go into the bottles of that building using data analytics?
2: Absolutely, I think you can. I think that these guys, it's the facility management folks that you're talking about are not dumb. They're in there operating these building automation system for years and years and years. It's a different paradigm shift right instead of looking at building automation systems as a single entity a single operational technology in the building we're now looking at them more holistically and how do they interact with each other we Absolutely. constantly laugh and joke about lights being left on all night long in these buildings in COVID, and there's no setback that's going on the analytics that exist today get us to the point where we now have the ability to see all of those gaps in performance that shouldn't be there and to scott's point we can we can remove that waste from the system and get these buildings to perform at a much higher level with with very little effort.
0: You guys, all right, we're going to take a brief break, hear from one of our sponsors, and get back to this conversation because you got two really smart guys on the call here that uh, they've been around and know what they're doing. So we'll be right back. All right, um, so we've we've talked a lot about where the industry is going to be, and what I want to. Sp- focus on the last part of our conversation is the smart building integrator summit I think it's going on about 10 years now both you guys have been involved for a long time that we have a core community who gets it are the lead master systems integrator bringing the best knowledge what do you say Scott to the folks that haven't been to a a, a smart building conversation that involves a lot of IT conversations talks about interoperability like it's a given brings in clients and says, this is what I demand of you integrators. Okay. What do you say to the person who's maybe like Craig said, a little bias, maybe one system, one vendor, you know, one focus, what do you say to them to get them to come to an event like this?
1: Well, frankly, I think a lot of people in our industry have their heads in the sand and are, and, and I tell them you're leaving a lot on the table. You're leaving a lot on the table. You know, um, we all get in this rut of just doing what we, you know, our job and contractors, especially they're behind right now. You guys, they have more work than they can do and they can't get the material to do it. So you say it's the worst time to build the building. I don't want to say this too loud, but I think it's the worst time to be a contractor too. And what is, what is the most, you know, if you want to get out of that rut of thinking, you know, I'm all about the building. Well, let me tell you something, the MSIs, this is not a conference about buildings or, you know it, it's not a, i mean it is smart buildings but but what it's really about is software software and mm-hmm. as, as things have tightened up and things have changed um you know it's going to be the software that's going to change your business and 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 this this smart building integrator summit that's really at the end of the day what we're going to expose is how people are using software to change their business right we're not adding more hardware guys we're adding software and that's that's what we're going to expose to you here and you're just the people who come are going to learn about things that are going to serve their business for many years and help them evolve them.
0: Well, and, and if you think about it, you get the best of the best coming together once a year to talk about what's going on at the edge of the industry. P.S. Very not arrogant, very humble saying, we're just going to get in a room and ask each other questions because like you said, we're still in the early innings here, right? Mm-hmm. And 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 have the opportunity to sit in that room and listen to the to some of the smartest people I know you know, figure these questions and these issues and opportunities out with each other. It, it's it's really been a pleasure to be a part of it. Craig, how about you? What do you say to somebody who may not be familiar with it? What do you get when you get there? What do you see? What do you learn?
2: Yeah. Um, first, I want to recognize um, Donnie Walker with Newcom and Boyd. Um, Donnie Walker worked with Scott and myself and the Realcom team to develop what we believe is a... Um, is a high-level introduction, not introduction, but a discussion around the MSI and why we do that, why that's so important. So the the events that we really went after um, curating were are targeted talking to building owners and chief information officers and facility managers to talk to them about why do we do this, right? I mean, the technology exists and we can do this all day long, but why? We're doing it because Um, We want to get at SDGs and MSIs have a real role to play in that. These guys, you know, can be onboarded early, help us save first costs, reinvest those costs into energy efficiency measures. We're talking about converged networks. Who owns it? How to do that? How do we do a handoff in day two? How do we plan that with the uh, CIO and their IT teams? This can't be post construction. We can't build our buildings and expect to do this later. We have to do this early. And then we talk about the data layer, and this is one of my most exciting events that we have. We have two conversations around data layers, um, talking about the enterprise data strategy, and then ultimately the products that exist as layers on top of that. And I'm really excited because I think we're going to expose why is the MSI so important? We're not connecting for the sake of connecting. We're connecting with a purpose, and our purpose is to get at high-performance buildings and healthy buildings.
0: Yeah. Well, and, and just to add some context to that, the Integrator Roundtable on its own is a phenomenal event, but it's part of a bigger story. So we start on Monday, so if you're a golfer, you can come and swing some clubs. Oh, and then guess what? We we take you on field trips. We're going to take you to Lake Nona, which is one of the most advanced digital districts. It's going to be limited seating, so if you're interested, you better... Uh, get get your reservation in. But we 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 get people and we go physically walk buildings that are smart. Then we come back to the pre-conference day where we start with the cyber forum, smart buildings on the OT side, right? That's where we focus. Then three great events, the CIOs sit right next to you guys in the integrator roundtable. Oh, and PS, we have a boot camp for those people who don't know anything about a smart building and guess what the conference hasn't even started yet because on day one that's when howard's put together this great program where what we didn't cover in the integrator roundtable or the cio we got 200 speakers in multiple sessions in multiple rooms talking about this stuff and then we wrap up on day two thursday so it's literally a four day event where the integrator roundtable is strategically positioned to allow all parts of the ecosystem to learn their specifics but then get out and integrate okay become interoperable with other people in the ecosystem the IT folks the head of facilities the property managers that's how we get this done you know so scott what do you say what's your 30 seconds of advice to to somebody who's you know in the in, like you said is in their lane busy as heck doesn't really know or want to think about learning about this next iteration of being a master system integrator. What do you say to him?
1: Don't be the next buggy whip. So I tell people flat out: the as a temperature control contractor, your your life expectancy is is short. You either evolve and you learn how to use software and, and IT and things like that, or you're not, the products are moving too fast now. So like, you know, if if, uh, if they don't change, they won't be capable of handling the network for the products that are being released in the next couple of years. So so, it, it, it's kind of nice, like, you know, the manufacturers are forcing it, but I mean, we're just pointing it out, pointing out the obvious now to yeah. people. And let me field. ask you a
0: very specific question. What percentage of a traditional smart building systems integrator? What percent of their team should be IT focused and have IT skills?
1: Well, they should all have competence in IT. They should all have competence. Wow, for okay. that question. Now you can have IT is a huge industry. You have you have people who understand how to set up the network, and you have people who understand how to code, and you have people who understand cybersecurity, and so. You you will have specialists amongst them, but everybody will have a common understanding of how an IT network is put together and how the internet works. Those are what important.
0: percentage of the industry understands that right now?
1: Well, I I you know we do a lot of training and support, so I would say you know I would say you know with the people I talk to, I would say a good seventy five percent today mm-hmm. understand that, um, okay. or have somebody on their staff that does. Frankly. Um, now I go into different territories where there's different you know influences and and I think that there's a lot of room to grow in that area in a lot of regions. so
0: Craig, 30 seconds what do you say to your 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 peers who are maybe not embracing this next level of sophistication as fast as they pro you know, probably should.
2: So, Jim, I've been coming to RealCom now for about four or five years, and what impresses me most about the RealCom Ivycon event is the fact that this entire industry shares so willingly. Um, I'm just impressed. I mean, really, I say my superpower is simulation and your superpower is your network. Um, I, I come here and I'm just amazed how people talk about lessons learned and they talk about how do we create a standard. And you, when you talk about standards, think about data, right? So you got organizational-wide standards for independent data layers, and you got project-specific standards for IT and other connectivity and openness. To me, when we come to these events and we hear people talking about lessons learned and we can pick up, I mean, I've been through dozens of projects and I think back and like, wow, if I'd have known that then, <laughs> how much money would have I saved? How quick would I, I, I got. Have to I do? gotta
0: give that to you this has been one of the most sharing willing to you know give information uh, um, industries i've ever seen and traditionally the real estate the built environment they don't usually share they kind of keep their secrets to themselves right it's a competitive advantage but between the supply side you know you guys and the demand side them incredible community willing to stand up there and Basically admit where they failed, made some mistakes. Who does that?
2: And Jim, what I think is I think the willingness to share is because one person, one entity can't do everything. Absolutely. You have to create these collaborations between businesses that have their strengths in different core sectors to basically pull off some of these projects. And I think the willingness to share and exchange information is because we have to find out how do we build the strongest team we could possibly build. To go after some of these very complex projects but again i'm just amazed every year i come and listen to lessons learned and candid conversations about best practices and i'm thinking like wow we're all competing with each other but we're kind of not it's just really interesting
0: now what they they say a, a rising lake carries all boats yeah this we are in a world changing paradigm shift the built environment has to change you guys are part of it they're part of it i think everybody realizes that there's no competitors in that room there's just not so Guys, unfortunately, we are out of time. Uh, Howard's going to be mad at me because we went over, but that's okay because he'll just take more. Uh, we're, we're a little less formal on our, our weekly podcast. So uh, I just want to say thank you so much. Thank you for you know, 10, 15 years, 20 years of what you do. Thanks for your support of the conference and then specifically your roles as co-chair of the uh, Smart Building Integrator Summit. Looking forward to seeing you guys.
1: Thanks, Jim.
2: Thanks, Jim. We're excited to be here. Matthew Rodriguez, I see your question posted in the chat. It will be answered at uh, at the summit, so please join us. Awesome. Thank you.
0: Everybody, have a great weekend. Be well. Thank you. All right. Let's bring on Mr. Berger and give us this week's news. Uh, it was busy news week. Lots of interesting things going on, and uh, I think Howard's got some fun stories for us.
3: Uh, there you go, sir. Sorry about uh,
0: going over. Uh, d- no
3: problem going over. I mean, uh, that thank you scott and craig that, that that was a great conversation i kind of wish johnny had been able to make it but i think he's enjoying some downtime with his family uh these guys really have been instrumental i, I want everybody to know in helping us shape a really focused relevant program for our integrator community it's addressing the major issues it's going to be a terrific event this year uh now for a couple of news stories so Our lead story, uh, so smart districts, they're popping up all over the world and connected neo-urban communities of the future are emerging here in the US. And as Jim mentioned about Lake Nona in Florida, it is one of the most advanced digital districts in our country, if not the world. 17 square miles in Orlando, it was planned and developed by Tavistock Group. They actually started with a next-gen infrastructure and they coupled that with a commitment to collaboration. They're attracting visionary companies and startups from around the globe to bring cutting edge ideas. It's literally a living lab. And that entrepreneurial spirit uh, is giving companies a chance to actually test and deploy transformative technology at scale in, in a real world environment. Here's just I'm just gonna give you a quick list of some of the features. So they just opened a 324 room wave hotel. They got Rosie the robot, all amenities controlled by a smartphone, view smart windows with predictive intelligence, AI controlled beds, Toto smart toilets, a Techno Gym Fitness Center. That's just a starter. Um, and they have Ver, a Verizon 5G Innovation Hub, the Withouse, House, which is the Wellness Home Building and Innovation and Technology. It's both a livable space and a living lab for health and wellness technologies. Beep beep autonomous vehicles. It's the largest autonom, autonomous vehicle network in one location in the country. They've got Lilium Lake Nona Verdeport. You'll love this. this. They're developing electrical vertical takeoff and landing VTOL aircraft. It's going to be a hub for statewide urban regional air mobility. Drone surveillance. They're using state-of-the-art FLIR IR and Nightingale drones to patrol the community by day, and they equip them with night vision after dark. They've got a performance club, 130-square-foot facility for precision fitness wellness performance training, uh, including limitless minds and chopper mind-body zone, plus a fully automated in-club golf experience. And there's a lot more. Uh, This article is going to give you a preview of the level of innovation you'll see. And if you join us uh, at the Lake Nona tour that we'll be hosting at RealCon and IBCON in Orlando on June 13th, just before the conference, you're going to see a whole lot more than that. Uh, Next, I want to shout out to this week's tech partner, Brainbox. Uh, If you want to save energy, but you're not ready to go all in for full HVAC retrofit, Uh, And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with retrofits to optimize energy uses, but they are pricey. It takes months and years to achieve positive financial and environmental impacts. In this article, Rebecca Hanfield at Brainbox, she's exploring how software and automation, just as Craig and and Scott were mentioning, can get you there faster. Give your your building a brain. uh, Enable it to continually uh, analyze hundreds of thousands of internal and external data points and then make enlightened decisions based on real-time state of affairs. No additional sensor deployment needed, just data that's already available. Curious how it works. Much more detail in this great article. Excuse me. Finally, how did Microsoft optimize their new head office in Toronto for hybrid work? So they have 132 square foot uh, space at 81 base degree, which they actually designed three years ago with hybrid work optimization in mind. So they did little things like put dual screens in every meeting room so in-person attendees could view content, plus see their remote colleagues while watching and participating in the chat stream uh, during Microsoft Teams sessions. So, and and I'm quoting, so when you're in the room and you're engaging and the individual's on the screen with your colleagues around the table, you'll also be able to engage in the chat stream, which allows for greater input from all members of the team, Uh, quoted uh, Microsoft Canada President Kevin Piesker at the opening of this new uh, headquarters this week. Uh, Quoting again, which I think has been one of the biggest benefits of us actually moving to remote work, people who are introverted, people who might have been a bit more reserved. You see the equality in a meeting through the engagement of both chat and voice, which has been fantastic added Pisker, So they've been using state-of-the-art microphones and speakers, AI-powered video cameras with features like automatic zooming in to focus on the person speaking. I think if you're gonna maximize productivity and engagement in the new hybrid workplace, these are some of the details that really spell the difference. So yep. with that, I'm uh, gonna wrap cool. up. Thank you, Microsoft. And,
0: and if you think about it, um, the, the the journey to hybrid, which we've been on ourselves, um, we're not going back to the cube farm and, and the old conference room, okay? And so if we're going getting people, I think I remember Peter Miskovich saying, we better make getting back into that office worth the commute hybrid, new technologies, new experiences are all going to be part of it. And P.S., it's a big conversation we're going to have at the conference
3: this year. Yeah, yeah, big conversation. And uh, I think we're going to have a a number of people who have had some pretty good success in helping figure this out to talk about it. Because it's, I mean, we are... It's a new science that we're just developing right and now. In
0: PS we're living it ourselves our real com live general session stage is going to be working on you know, experimenting with all these new ideas. you know we, yeah. if we're going to be out there you know trying to curate some of this
3: conversation, we also have to take risks. It's, yeah. it's been a journey. yeah, we've been iterating and it's not an easy one but uh, the, the, it, uh, the payoffs huge.
0: I know so much more than I did two and a half years ago before the pandemic because yep. we pushed ourselves. Well, we
3: were forced into it, yeah.
0: We were forced right. into it, yeah. But a lot of people sat there, you know, and and waited. We dove head into something we had no idea, and now I think we're actually getting relatively good at it. So yeah, it was worth it. Learning again. every day, learning every yep. day. All right, Howard, thank you so much. Uh, appreciate it. Have a great weekend. Thanks, sir. Okay, and before we wrap, let's hear from our final sponsor, and I'll come back and tell you what's in store for next week. All right. I'd like to say thank you to our sponsors. Uh, Just some great companies, great ideas, people who really have been pushing this industry for a long time. Thanks for our speakers, Uh, Scott and Craig. Great job to our team uh, who puts this together every week. Next week, you know, for those of you who think, oh, my gosh, this is too fast. I don't understand it. It's too complicated. I'm never going to get it. We have got a great show for you next week. We are going to be talking about our Intelligent Buildings boot camp, probably going on about 10 years now, where some of the biggest brands, biggest corporations in the world sat in that room saying, I don't know a thing about this. And when you hear some of the names, you're going to be amazed. I mean, these are household corporate names that you would think they know everything. They sat in the room and said, you know, please give me the basics about what a smart building, a smart uh, district, a smart portfolio look like. And now are some of our biggest thought leaders in the industry. So next week, Tom Shercliffe, uh, Intelligent Buildings, and John Hester of Hester Consulting, uh, who had his fingers and his DNA on some of the biggest projects in Manhattan, which they're going to talk about. Tom is the, uh, one of the folks who helped coordinate this Intelligent Buildings Bootcamp for years. And John was, was a student who sat in the audience and now is an expert in, in his own right. So looking forward to that conversation with Tom and John, and it's going to be a, a great one. And we look forward to it. So all of you have a great day, a great weekend, and we will see you next Friday on RealCom Live. Be well.